today we're going to hear from the Spirit and the Word of God. So hold your Bibles up and repeat after me. Say, this is God's Word. Not Pastor Rebin's word. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, thank you so much for your loving kindness. We thank you for the Spirit of God that's already here. And Father, I pray that you will anoint this time for me to communicate the oracles of God to all of those who are single in this room. And Lord, I pray that today's message will go down deep inside of their hearts. It will transform their minds and their lives will reflect the word that they hear today. And I pray that it will position them to become the best them that they've ever seen. And so as I decrease now, I thank you for the Holy Spirit breathing afresh on this word. And for our hearts being open, in Jesus' name, everybody say... Amen and amen. God bless you. You may be seated this morning. Just in case you're visiting us, how many visitors do we have this morning? Just wave your hand. Amen. If you're visiting us, we've decided that any fifth Sunday of this given year and then the whole month of November, we use those fifth Sundays to call our Survivor Series. And the Survivor Series is where we split our congregation into two groups. We have the 9 o'clock service, which we just completed, and that's where our married individuals were. And so this service, which is 11 o'clock, is geared directly to our singles. And then for the month of November, what I'm going to do is actually change the name from Survivor Series to the Overcomers Series. Because the Bible says in Romans 8.37 that we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. And so last week I gave you the topic that I'm going to be sharing today. And if you're taking notes, you want to write down, becoming the best you. Becoming the best you. Because I've discovered personally and I've discovered as a pastor that many single people miss out on life. And they miss out on becoming their, their best Because they're waiting for that special someone or they're waiting for that special situation or they're waiting for that special time in their life to make that person, place or time make them a better them. And so today I want to hopefully help you through the teaching to help you see how to become the best you. Because there is another you on the inside that God wants to see on the outside. Amen. And so the goal of the lesson this morning is to help position you to see yourself like God sees you so that you will properly respond to his call and finally make sure that you're ready for any God-ordained relationships that he has in your life. Amen? So I want you to find three verses of scripture. Find 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 23. That was 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 23. Then I want you to find 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verses 14. 
And then I want you to find Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. I'll so th- say those again. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 23. And then 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 14. And then Matthew chapter 16. And we're going to start in verse 37. Now, if you find 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, if you don't find it, you can probably possibly look on the screen. I'm going to read what it says, and here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to start out foundationally because I believe if you can get today's lesson for your life, if you can grab a hold of it, and if you begin to allow it to absorb into your spirit, I believe it will speed your single process up, and what God has for you, you will not only be in position to get it, but you'll get it faster. In other words, what I'm going to teach you this morning is almost like spiritual cliff notes. How many went to college before or how many had to take a test and they gave you some cliff notes? Cliff notes were just shortcuts to learning whatever the test was going to be about. And today's message is going to help you, I believe, receive God's best on a speedier way. Uh, In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, it says in verse 23, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, that your whole spirit, say spirit, and soul, say soul, and body, say body, be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, when you became born again, you not only received eternal life, but you also became a new person. And most people don't see the difference between the two. Receiving eternal life is one thing, but becoming a new person is another thing. And 2 Corinthians 5, 17, you can just write it down. It says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new create, uh, creation in one version says, or a new creature. Old things are passed away and behold, all things become new. It is this revelation that every single person must grasp in order to become the best you. In other words, you got to really know That there's a new you on the inside. And when you get that revelation, you will be able to walk in the things of God like never before. So here's the first point that I want you to write down this morning if you're taking notes. The real you, say the real you. The real you is not the natural you. But the real you is the spiritual you. I'm going to say that again. The real you is not the natural you. I know we want to fix up the natural man. I know we want the outside of us to look good. And we should because the Bible says man looks on the outside, but God looks at the heart. But if you don't watch it, you'll confuse the two and try to put more attention on this outward man when that's not really who you really are. The real you is not the natural you, but the real you is the spiritual you. And your best you should never be based on the temporary part of who you are. Although, as you better yourself spiritually, you will see you become a better person naturally. But the best you will only come out when you understand and when you perceive and when you receive that the spiritual you is the real you. Now, go to 2 Corinthians. I told you to go there. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And I'm going to ask two men to come and assist me on just this particular point. Uh, In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, this is going to help us see that the real you is not the you that you see. 
And many of us focus so much time, so much energy, and spend so much money on the outward man that we forget that the real man is the inner man. Now, I want my two men to come out here. And uh, we're going to read. They're going to stand right here. Uh, go on that side right over there. And uh, go ahead and spread that out. And I'm going to come over there in just a second. Now, you all don't watch them. I want you to watch the verse that we're reading. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18, look at what it says. It says, while we look, the word look there means to gaze at or to consider, while we consider not the things that are what? Seen, but we consider the things which are not seen. Watch this now, class. For the things which, we, which are seen are what? temporary but the things which are not seen are what eternal so if you can see you that's not the real you if you can see you that's the temporary part of you and the scripture says here that if you can see it and it's it's temporal but if you can't see it it's eternal now let me ask you a question what type of person is god is he temporary or is he eternal Okay, so when we were made in his image, he didn't make us in flesh because that's how he is. He made us according to spirit. But many of us, this is the part that we focus on right here. This is what we can see. But the real us is the person over here in the back which cannot be seen. Now, just because you can't see me back here does not mean I'm not real. Now, I can take makeup and I can take clothes and I can take what I drive and all those things to make this person right here look better. But if I focus too much on him or her, then I'm going to miss the real person who is invisible. Now, let me show you something. You all stay right there. Stay right there. Stay right there. Here's the point that I'm trying to get you to see before I jump deep into my lesson. You got to accept the fact that the real you is not the part you can see. Because if you focus on that, guess what? You will never be satisfied. You will always need this. You'll always want this. You'll always want the next weave and the greatest car and the next, you know, the, the, the Beyonce lips and the, and the ludicrous this and the, and, and y'all know what I'm saying, right? But see, when you got saved, God eliminated an excuse for us to have to lean on this flesh. He put everybody on the same playing field to the point that when we can see. And let me tell you what happened. When you got saved, see, people that are not saved, they can't even see back here. The Bible says they are spiritually discerned. They're disconnected. They don't know what's going on. They don't even know there's another life over here. And so when we get saved and we get born again and God puts his spirit in us, We have the ability now to look on both sides. So now, instead of being caught up with what I can see, God's promises to me that will eventually manifest over here, they actually start over here. And that's why you have to learn how to call those things that be not as though they were. Are you with me? So here's the second point. You all stay there. Here's the second point. Go to Matthew chapter 16. 
Matthew 16. Because your best you must come from revelation and not just information. I'm going to say that again. Your best you must come from revelation and not just information. You say, Pastor, what do you mean? Information is designed to provide you with facts. But revelation is designed to transform you with truth. In other words, you can sit here and listen, but you can't listen as if it's information because information is designed to provide you with facts. But when you get revelation of who you are, it's designed to transform you with truth. Can someone say amen to that? And see how you see you will affect how you feel about you and how you think Others see you. That's why in the Old Testament they said, man, we look like grasshoppers to them. Why? Because they look like grasshoppers to themselves. It will affect how you see yourself. It will affect how you view others. Listen, it will affect your level of performance in the natural. And eventually, if you don't see yourself right, it will affect what God's called you to do and what you believe God has for you. Now, in Matthew chapter 16, Matthew 16, you all can let it down if you get tired. I'll come back over there and you'll be able to pull it back up. Matthew 16. Watch this now. I'm going to show you that you must get revelation of who this new you is, who this invisible you is. In chapter 16, verse 13, watch what it says. When Jesus came unto the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, Who do men say that I, the son of man, am? And they said, everybody say they said. Because everybody on this side is going to always have what they think you are. Well, they said, watch what he says here. They said in verse, what verse did I leave off? 14. And they said, some say you are John the Baptist. Some say you are Elias. And others say you're Jeremiah's and other than, I'm sure glad Jesus didn't depend on what they thought he was. He'd have been schizophrenic. And then he said in verse 15, he said unto them, but who do you say that I am? Now watch this because here's my point again. Your best you must come out of revelation and not just information because let's see how they discovered who Jesus was in verse 17. Oh, 16. And Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood, the natural, what you can see and what you see in the mirror. He says, flesh and blood did not reveal that to you, but my father, which is in heaven. And then he went on to say, listen, once you've discovered who I am by revelation, by revelation, now I'm going to tell you who you are. He says, I say unto you, you are Peter and upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you, Peter, unto the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Jesus was saying to Peter, Peter, just like you got revelation about who I am, because see, flesh didn't do that for you. My father in heaven By the Spirit told you that. And the only way you are going to ever know who the 
real you or the best you are is from this side over here. And man, when you know who you are, it don't matter if this part over here about you you don't like. It don't matter. Because see, once you discover that God likes you with your nose the way it is, he knew you was going to be bald when you was 15. He knew. He knew that. Well, well, if he knew all that and he's okay with it, why aren't you okay with it? You know why? Because you think this is you instead of thinking this is you. Now, watch this now. This is so good right here. This is good. Uh, in Matthew chapter 16, verse 13, when, he, when, when Jesus came, at least Simon Peter had the ability to see on the other side. And I'm saying to you today, you and I who were born again have the ability to see on both sides. But the reason why we focus on one side versus the other one, because we don't think this side over here is real. But it's just as real. And it was revelation that allowed Peter to see who Jesus was. Now, turn over to John. Go to John chapter 1. And, and this right here, this is, the, this is the killer part of what I want to say. I mean, this is good right here. If you can get this, man, this is going to help you. Go to John chapter 1. Because, again, I'm going to say to you, how you see yourself will affect how you feel about you. It will affect how you think others view you. It will affect your level of performance in the natural. And it will eventually affect what God's called you to do. And even if you accept what God's called you to do. Because if you, if you go and read the story of Gideon, Gideon, God came to Gideon. He says, Gideon, you are a great man of valor. And Gideon said, how can I be that? I'm the, uh, my family is poor and I'm the youngest person in my family. That had nothing to do with how God saw Gideon. And it doesn't matter what part of life, what mistakes you've made, because I'm going to get ready to show you something. A lot of people, their best you don't come out because they're still hung up on the mistakes they made. In John chapter 1, if you're there, say, I'm there. Look in verse 19. Watch this now. Now, let me show you how to stop looking at this man, the natural man, and let me show you how to now focus on the spiritual man. Because once you know who you are on this side, it will help you be okay with you on this side. In John chapter 1, in verse 19, it says, And this is the record of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask John, Who are you? And he confessed and denied not, but confessed, I am not the Christ. So because John knew who he was over here, when people tried to make him something else over here, he said, no, I'm not that. Because when you know you, what you are over here, then you know what you're not over here. He said, I am not the Christ. Watch the next verse. He said, and they asked him, are you Elijah? And he says, I'm not. He said, they said, are you that prophet? And he answered, no. Now notice now they still had their perception of him. Because that's going to happen. But then in verse 22, they said unto him, who are you that we may give an answer to them that sent us? What do you say about yourself? You know why? Because that's all that matters. He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord as the prophet Isaiah said. John said, you know what? I'm exactly what God's word says I am. I'm who the word says I am. And I can do what the word says I can do. Because once you discover who you are, you will then discover what God's called you to do. 
See, identity comes before activity. See, we want to do things for God, but we really don't know who we are in him. Now, let me show you what I mean, because if you continue to read about John, once he told them who he was, then they sent another group of people. And they which were sent were of the Pharisees, and they asked him, then why are you baptizing then? If you be not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet. Then John answered and said, I baptize with water, but there stands one among you who you don't know. He it is who comes after me, but is preferred before me, whose shoes I'm not even worthy to unloose. In other words, John not only had a revelation of who God said he was, John had a revelation of what God was calling him to do. And as a single person, for your best you to come out, you got to know you before somebody else knows you. Amen. Now, I, I'm going to tell you a secret here. Go to, uh, go to Matthew chapter 11. Go to Matthew 11 quickly. Go to Matthew 11. I'm about to drop a bomb on each one of you because I've discovered why a lot of singles are stagnant in either their relationship with God or what God wants to bless them with and what God's called them to do. Let me show you why. In Matthew chapter 11, and I'm going to start in verse 2. It says, now when John, now remember, God used John to confirm who Jesus was. And when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and he said unto them, are you he that should come or should we look for another? Now, let me hold on. You mean to tell me the very person who baptized Jesus Christ and said, God said, Whoever you baptize and you see the dove come down and stay on them, that's the son of God. God used John to do that. John knew who Jesus was. But something happened to John that happens to single people. And you know what it is? John uh, uh, eventually became offended because of Jesus. And offense toward God or toward man will stagnate your spiritual growth and what God's called you to do any day. Watch this. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 20, I'm going to start now and I'm going to jump. But uh, let's see here in verse, where did I stop? Verse what? Two, I'm going to go ahead and read. And he said, are you should come or should we look for another? Verse four. Jesus answered and said unto them, go and show John again those things which you do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers cleanse, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have the gospel preached. Watch this. And blessed, happy, content is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. One of the main reasons why a lot of people find it difficult to discover who they are and accept who they are or consistently walk in who they are and what they're supposed to become, which is their best you, is because they have been offended by God or by people. And see, some of you all may not think you've been offended, uh, that uh, God has offended you. But I'm going to help you see if, you know, because see, sometimes you don't know that your great disappointment is coming from what you felt God should have done. See, a lot of people, what they do, they, 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 because God is all-knowing and he has foreknowledge, which means that he knows what's going to happen before it happens. Because he has foreknowledge, what people do is that they blame God for foreknowledge. 
But you can't blame God for foreknowledge. That's just like blaming the weatherman that it rained. All he did was forecasted something that was going to happen. And so what happens is people begin to blame God because they look and say, well, and this is what people do all the time. They say, well, if God knew that was going to happen to me, then why did he let it happen? Well, there are several reasons things happen to people. Number one, it could be because of other people's wills. But even if that happens to you, the Bible says God will work that together for your good. Well, you know, it can happen because of circumstances and situations. But even if that happens to you, the scripture says that you are still more than a conqueror. Or let's say you made a mistake on your own. You made a choice in your life and it derailed you in your mind. Well, you still don't know that God, if he's for you, who? Even you can't be against you. And so many people are derailed because they are offended by God. And the problem with holding God responsible for having pre-knowledge is that it should not make him responsible because he just knew it. But in some cases, God, people think God can just do anything. Well, there's several things God can't do. How many know that? God can't lie. That's one. And God can't control your will. That's two. Okay, so that's at least two things God can't do. And let me tell you something. God, if God could control our will, Adam and Eve would have never messed up. And see, some people say, well, well, if God knew they were going to do that, why did he even make them? Well, he made them because he didn't want to make robots. He wanted somebody to have fellowship. He wanted somebody to have choices. And watch this. The word offended, when Jesus said, blessed is the person who's not offended in me, the word offended means to cause a person to begin to distrust or desert a person who they should trust and obey. My question to you is, what has happened in your single life that has put you in a position of offense? Whether it's of God, because see, some of y'all going, but see, I asked God when I was 15 years old to be married by the time I was 20. And here I am, 21, and God ain't done it yet. Well, I'm going to tell you something. If I'd have got married at 21, me and my wife, that I probably wouldn't have met the right person because I didn't meet the right person until I was 27. So had I got married at 21, I'd be divorced. Because I'd have married the wrong person, we'd have beat each other up, and we'd been gone about our own business. She'd have probably drugged me at night and I'd probably be, you know, or I'd probably be done drove her off a bridge or something. No, I'm just playing. But, but here's, a, here's, a, here's a point I want you to see. When you get offended, it causes you to not trust. And some of you all, you, you can't trust God right now. And it's proven because you still maintain a certain level of control of your life. Okay, let me give you some signs as if you are offended in one way or another. Here's one. You find it hard to believe that God will work all things together for your good because you've seen or experienced disappointment in your past. Here's number two. You, will, you struggle to believe that his will is best for your life. I recently had a conversation with a person who's married who feels that they should have still be single. And they, they didn't know how to resolve this thing. And I said, why don't you just trust God right here and now? But they were so afraid of what they thought God was going to say for them to do. When you, boy, that's a loud clock. 
when this is how you know if you are offended in some way or uh, your life is not where it needs to be because you maintain a certain level of power. Here's the fourth one. Your past will hold you back from knowing that you can do all things through Christ. In other words, here's the real you back here. And this real me says, you know what? I can do all things through Christ. But because I made a bad decision in my life and I'm not looking on both sides of the fence and saying, you know what? God can fix that. I made a mess over here, but I believe he can create a miracle over here. I know I disappointed myself and I disappointed my family, but you know what? God already knew. So he says, you know what? I'm going to work all things for good for those who love me and are called according to my purpose. So when I begin to see me on this side, it begins to transform me on this side. And now my confidence on this side increases because I know who I am on this side. You know, Job said, I'm not inferior. I know what you know. My question is, do you really know you? Because if someone says, who are you? Like they asked John, you know what you would say? Well, my last name is Johnson. Here's my driver's license. You know, my parents came. They from Mahal. And uh, we all grew up in the country. That has nothing to do with who you are in Christ Jesus. Who you are in Christ Jesus is more than a conqueror. Who you are over here is greater than he that's over here. And when you know without a doubt, listen, you don't need a man over here, over here. You don't need a man. You don't need a woman. What you do is you look on this side and say, well, I know God's going to supply all of my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I can see that. It may not look like right over here. I ain't met a man in months. I ain't met a woman in months. But I do know that he said he would give me the desires of my heart over here. So guess what? I'm going to tell my flesh, be calm, be patient, be still, and know that he is God. And trust that the God who said he will give you the desires is going to bring it to pass. Man, let me tell you what this do. When you know this side over here, you don't even need to peek on this side. You ain't got to pray about no husband no more over here. Because I'm, see, over here, you walking by faith and you're not walking by sight. Over here, you know that God has, he's engraved you in the palm of his hand. And whether nobody looks at you or not, you are the apple of his eye. I'm telling you, I would rather be over here. Than to be over here. Because see. Flesh. Has gotten me in trouble before. Flesh. Will get me in trouble again. So guess what. That's why the Bible says. Walk by the spirit. So you won't fulfill the lust of the. So now I ain't worried about the kind of car I drive. Because the kind of car I drive, because I look on both sides of the fence. Listen, the car don't change the word, but the word's going to change the car. My job doesn't change the word. The word changes my job. Listen, my health doesn't change the word. The word changes my health. Ask him right here. He just got overcome. He has just overcome. So when you know that, and I'm closing, when you know that you know that you know 
You see all these weapons going on? All these weapons, man. See, you, you didn't know you were an overcomer until you had to overcome something. He said, no weapon formed against you over here is going to prosper you over here. So stop crying over here. Let me tell you something. You want to get married fast? Know who you are on this side of the fence. Because just because you can't see me don't mean I'm not over here. (laughs) Just because you can't feel me doesn't mean I'm not here. (laughs) Just because you can't touch me, I walk by faith and not by how I feel. So my question to you is how much of the real you do you know? How much of the real you do you know? Because once you know the real you, man, guess what? You're going to be okay with you. You'll be okay with your nose. You'll be okay with your hair. You'll be okay with those size 16 feet. It's okay. Heaven's like, Daddy, you need to get some braces. I ain't getting none for you. Because I'm okay. I done lived 47 years with these teeth. And I'm okay whether I get some braces or not. But you know what? I'm going to get some anyway so I can just increase my outward appearance. But see, the outward appearance profits little. But godliness profits a lot. So all this is going to do is make you look at my smile. But over back here, I'm going to be pointing you to Jesus. Let's go. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, thank you, fellas. Give my, give my men a big hand if you would. Every head bow and every eye closed. Here's my question to you. What side of the realm are you looking at? And who has offended you in your life? Whether you're offended by God. Because many of us, we, would, we may be disappointed in what God should have done or what he shouldn't have done. But see, you really can't be offended towards God until you really know that whatever he has for you, he's going to give you. And I believe there are some people in this room who have spiritually stagnated who they are.